Ladies and gentlemen, the Henderson Advocacy in the Know Property Podcast. Daniel yeah, Beadle, mate, welcome back. It's good to be sitting here on these red seats on a beautiful Thursday. For, well, Tuesday, not Thursday, Tuesday afternoon. Feels like a Thursday. <laughs> it does. It feels like a Thursday. It's getting getting to the pointy end of the year, mate. Five weeks with Chrissy, the fat man coming down the chimney. What's on what's uh, what's on the Christmas list this year? Um mate, I want a new set of bracelets. Yeah, right. So I've had Joya Calanto got these for my my uh Christmas present, no birthday present a few years ago. So I want to get a new set of these. Um and mate, that's about it. I don't want for much. I'm very lucky. Any renos happen at the uh, the river property? Yeah, yeah, that's what I want actually. And and let's let's put it a little bit content. It's cool. actually a good place to start with the investment podcast. Good place mate, to start. So regardless of how much dough you make, you can still be a tight ass, right? <laughs> so I was thinking about going to Tasmania for Christmas. Yeah. And uh, mate, just like fucking boom, Tassie, let's go, mate. It's 1200 bucks to fly down for me and the miso. 1200 1200 I thought that was all right. Like Normal time. or first class? No, just that was economy. Really? No, economy, shit. I know. Me at the back of the plane. Tell me about it. Anyway, and then we were like, oh, we'll get a motorhome for like seven or eight days and just go around. Mate, it was going to cost me about six grand for flights and a motorhome. And I said, no, not a chance. <laughs> so, um, mate, six grand. Not happening. I just couldn't believe it. So, mate, I'm staying local, saving the money, enjoying the beautiful Sydney lifestyle. That's right. On the... um. Down at Ebenezer on the on the wakeboard. Ebenezer, mate, I'm looking forward to that. That's for sure. But mate, enough about Jack Henderson and uh, Christmas lists. More about property. All this property. Well, uh, mate, it's funny. The um, I was reading an article today from Christopher Joy Joyce mm, from Coolabar Capital. Yes, um, who basically does a lot of the data and traces what's happening with the climate, and he came out and stated that as a nation, we're looking at seeing a decline of about fourteen percent annualized for properties at the moment um, and Sydney so far seeing a decline of 11.1% mm-hmm. and expected to annualize a decrease of 17% and then Brisbane, although it was slower to start declining than New South Wales has seen a decrease of, well, an annualized decrease of about 20%, mm. which is quite substantial. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he's, uh, he's, he's predicted a lot of things, Mr. Joy. And I think a lot of the stuff that he says, you know, comes to fruition, but as you know, my, my thoughts on, uh, predictions, predict these things. they aren't, they aren't worth to writ- the paper they're written on my friend. <laughs> so look, you know, it, 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 it's, it's no secret that the marketplace mm. is, is lower than what it was, right? It's come off. So, um, our, I think our philosophy is it's, a, it's on a bargain right now. It's on sale, mate. Get mate. out there and get amongst it. And it's funny because some live data that we've done this week just on transactions, we're buying a property in Brisbane at the moment, circa 150000 below market value. Mm. Bought a property this week in a couple in Sydney. Hundred what was um, the one about in the Crow Park. You know, we're about talking 10%. about properties that are sitting in the early one millions and they're, yeah, they're probably coming off by 10 to 15% from what they would have sold at. Mm. Um, prior to to where we're at, but again, that I think that's not reflective of the whole marketplace, right? Because there's properties that aren't yeah. selling um, at that level, but it's it's it, there's there's great buying. Like it, it, if you've got the the guts to to go against the grain and you know take advantage of this, then it's then it's awesome. Um, the thing that blows my mind is, you know, last year I reckon you could have asked any Australian, would you buy a property right now, and nearly every single person would have said yes. You know what I mean? Like everyone was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, property, yeah. 
But the reason for that is because they could see themselves making quick money, right? Because it was just, you know, it was going up every week. We're making money. It's in the newspaper. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, no, we won't buy a property now because it's, it's decreasing, right? But when you buy an asset, you're not buying it for what's happening over the next one week or one month or one year or, you know, you're buying it because you believe in that asset and that asset class for a very long period of time. And, you know, I think that when you look at the most successful investors in the world, not necessarily just property, but just investors in general, the people who have made the most amount of money are the people who have the most simple approach, right? You look at Warren Buffett, like, you know, he's an incredible investor. He's done extremely well out of the companies that he's invested into, hmm. but he's never been one to buy in, buy out, move with market fluctuations. And I hate using Warren as, a, as an example because everyone does, right? It's Warren Buffett, it's Warren Buffett, but it's just so simple. He's like, he buys really good quality companies that regardless of of what's happening in the economy right now, he sees that that business is going to be a business that performs consistently over the long term. You know, like you look at an Apple, for example, as a company, Apple is a business that regardless of what's happening in the economy, like right now, iPhone sales are down, but I guarantee that next year, there ain't going to be a fucking phone that comes out that beats the iPhone, right? So it's got market dominance. And property is exactly the same. Like right now, it's on sale. But, you know, if you fast forward into the future, they're not making any more mm. of it. If you invest in the right location where there is an imbalance between supply and demand, there's no more land to build any more properties and the people who want to live there are, are on high incomes, Um you literally can't go wrong. Like you can't. Mate, it's exciting. It's um, it's super exciting. And it's and it's great to see that there's a window of opportunity, mm. which we don't know how long that window will last, um, where we can, like you said, get access to these blue chip high, you know, quality assets and buy them at a discount relative to what they were six, 12 months ago. Um, and, and like you said, if we can compare that to our longer term spread, what's, it's not going to matter. 10%. And I would, I would, I would, I'd, you know, I would look say to anyone listening right now, people who own property and have owned property for a, you know, a medium to the longer term period, like look, try and think about what you paid for your properties. I would have no fucking idea what I paid for half of my properties. And I haven't had, you know, half the amount of time that the majority of people have had. Um, so it doesn't actually matter whether you pay 850, 810, 950 like it doesn't matter in the grand mm. scheme of things sure every single dollar that you can make is great but the 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 most important thing is buying the right asset getting into the marketplace and not focusing on what's happening in the short term because it actually does not matter um but yeah again and, and and i think another thing is like buying in a in in this kind of market meaning a market where everyone's seeing it go down as opposed to buying in the marketplace that actually, you know, maybe starting from a lower foundation, but a marketplace mm. is starting to increase. It's much easier to buy now, like much easier. As soon as that turns, and it will turn eventually, but, you know, when it hits the bottom in quotation marks, the market will all of a sudden go from having a very low buyer sentiment to a, to a stronger buyer sentiment. And that's when you start to see the market uplift. It's much harder to buy then, right? Mm. You're competing with other buyers. There's less transparency. Agents start to have the upper hand. And they know that. So it's more challenging. Where right now, if you're a buyer in the marketplace, you have all the control because you're, you're, you're one of the only buyers on most properties, regardless of how good the property is, right? There might be one or two buyers, but usually, you know, there's this buyer that's the standout buyer and the stronger buyer. That's you've, right. You've got so much more control. You can, you can negotiate better terms. Um, you know, we negotiated a property two days ago in Leichhardt, which is one of those blue chip suburbs in, in Sydney. We've got a six month settlement, a 5% deposit, and bought it for a price which 12 months ago you you wouldn't have even dreamt of, you know, like, um, and that's the power of the marketplace. So 
yeah, like for me, it's like take full advantage mm. of that because in the not too distant future, whether it's one year, three years, five years, however long it is, it will change and it will go back to the marketplace where everyone's going, fuck, I need a buy. And I love that because it's great for our business because mm. people come to us and get jagged, Daniel. <laughs> I can't fucking buy anything. You know what I mean? It's true, right? Like last year, everyone was like, oh, I can't buy and find on this and that. And obviously we help those people. But, you know, right now, if um, you know, if you know your market and you know yeah. your asset, you can get out there and, and buy okay. Mate, it's like from what I've seen just during transactions this week, last week is the lack of actual buyers that are willing to put offers on property mm. and – letting properties we're in a process now where depending on the location you're buying and what you're buying it can actually make sense for us to drag out a negotiation over a period of time to can to condition vendors down to a level that we see value mm. um and that value may not necessarily be current market value it may be value that we want to anticipate based on what we feel is to come with the market yeah like buying it cheaper than what we feel it's worth because you're it's, predicting maybe a you know, yeah. slight decrease so you're actually uh, forward thinking going okay well if it's worth let's just say 780 now or 800 or 1.8 or whatever that number is because something sold last week almost identical to it identical to it imagine if we could buy for one seven so we're picking up some value in that transaction mm. and if the market does come off a little bit more we're still not behind the eight ball yeah exactly and i find it fascinating compared to doing transactions you know and seeing the volume that happened last year the complete difference in how negotiation and buying property takes place mm. and it'd be interesting you know you've got massive perspective on the amount of transactions you've done but i find it quite fascinating how it's a negotiation now you know watching you buy all this property last year majority was purchased off market and it made sense to be first in the door making sure you're buying prior to auction not letting a transaction drag out whether the coin and the penny is just completely flipped completely yeah now it's like you know, maybe it's not worth us buying it quickly. Maybe it's not worth us buying it off market. Maybe it is worth it going to market, letting the vendors get skin in the game, you know, spending mm. money on marketing and styling for their property, you know, letting the market bash them around a little bit and show them that their property is not worth what it is worth. And, you know, that's creating opportunity and negotiation for us as opposed to, you know, snapping it up off market and, you know, mm. being the first one in the door and, um, you know, paying strong money for it. Um, time right now in a negotiation is is a negotiator's best friend um you know and 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 for a lot of buyers the the time when a property sits on the market that scares them you know mm. they're like oh you know they like having other people around to show them right like buyers last year were way more aggressive because they had three other people like buying the property like oh fuck, i want to buy it you know like where now it's like well there's no one on the property it's been on the market now for three weeks oh is there something wrong with it oh shit you know like that people get scared by that and they, they're the same as everyone else and they just wait and they wait and they wait and they wait for someone else, you know, to, they wait for the, the sentiment to become stronger and they start following the, the herd again. Um, I think it definitely, you know, requires people to be m more diligent with their due diligence. Uh, diligent with the due diligence. Look at that, that's a rhyme. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you need to make sure that there is no issues with properties, yep. that, you know, you're dotting all the I's and you're crossing all the T's. But now you can you can really have fun in negotiation and know that you're you know essentially the, the buyer with the upper hand as opposed to the agent and i'm enjoying it like i think it's great um because you can call the bluff you can hmm. you can you know make offers that would have been silly last year to make and actually bring things together now you know you can leverage pest in building reports and say well mate you know that this has got x y and z wrong with it and my buyer is no longer 
interested at the level that they were interested at. So this is where we're at now. And, um, you know, if you don't sell it to us, then I don't see them too see. many people behind us. You That's know what right. I mean? So Especially you, if the vendors purchase a property. Great example when mom were doing right now, like they've bought, they have no other option but to sell. So the longer you leave that property sit there, better it's going to be for us, mm. you know? And like, that's, um, it's a powerful position to be in, but I, I, I simply do not understand why more people don't want to take advantage of it. It just it blows my mind. But Where do you, you see um, more value now as a buyer's agent? Do you see it when the market is the way it is now, our ability to save you more money during a negotiation or <laughs> last year when, the, when avoiding buyers paying a premium? On property. Uh, what I do think, you see? The- I think value is subjective to the person looking at it, right? I, but you know, if from my perspective, value is um, buying the right asset is the most important thing, regardless of what you pay for it. Buying the right asset is the thing that's going to safeguard you from from all of the uh, the pitfalls of of property. And then you know, same thing, doing the right due diligence. Um, you know, having someone on your team to be confident when you're actually doing the transaction. Mm. Um, the negotiation, like people who don't negotiate on property every day would not know. Like me, for example, if I was to, um, you know, go into a, a, a legal battle, for example, um, I would know, I would not know what to do. Like I could do it myself. You know, I could go to show up to court and ask the judge and, and ask the, okay, what do I do mm. here? And, um, oh shit, I didn't fill this bit of paper out properly. And oh, did you do that right? Or, oh shit, I never checked that. And you can do it, yeah. right? And you can learn on the hop, but is it the most efficient way to do it? Um, and is it the way that's going to get the best outcome? Probably not. So, you know, I think it's just having a trusted advisor on your side and going, okay, well, this person's been there and done it. They've done hundreds and hundreds of transactions. They know the game. There's a, there's a much higher chance that I'm going to make the right decision than the wrong decision, you know, using the, the this company or these people. Um, I'm getting full access to their IP. You know, I think a huge one, and the reason that I use buyers agents when I was um, growing my portfolio, is the access to the network, right? Like if I was one of my clients now, I would be asking me for everything. You know, like, oh, can you introduce me to that person? Or what about this? Or how do you do this? Or I've seen you post this on socials. What does that mean? Like that's powerful, right? Because if you're not a client of that person, then I have no um, reason to reply to you. It's true. <laughs> so like basically, I'm, if you're messaging Jack on Instagram or, or social <laughs> no, media, then he's not a everyone, client. But, but I'm saying, <laughs> if, if I have a, if I get an Instagram course, message yeah. of a random, I'm going to give them a reply that is probably 10% of what I would give someone yeah. if they were a, a past client of mine. Like I would ring them, I would spend an hour on the phone, I'd probably go for lunch. You know what I mean? Like. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I did it when I was growing. I was like, yeah, going, okay, well, I'm going to write the right, I'm going to buy the right asset. Great. They're going to get it for me off market, whatever it is. Awesome. But I'm then going to become a, you know, a person that this, this person really values and, and will bend over backwards for because I'm now a client. So they're probably the, the, the biggest value adds that I personally, mm. personally see. And then it's access to relationships and, you know, a million and one things. Like t- even even today, we had a client go, um, you know, replied back to a message and said, guys, my serviceability was way under what I thought it was going to be. So I'm not going to be able to buy now until next June. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Let me see if I can do something. Serviceability was 500. I made a phone call that took me 10 minutes and said, hey, can we do X, Y, and Z? Would that work? Yeah, that would work. What could they service then? 900. Okay, great. Can they buy right now? Yeah. And they can actually buy with less cash than what they would have needed to buy the $500,000 property. 
Bang. They need a hundred grand to buy the five hundred thousand dollar property. Say and stamp duty. Deposit and stamp duty. So one hundred and twenty five. Yeah. The one that the strategy that I come up with, they need ninety thousand dollars to buy a nine hundred thousand dollar property, including stamps. With no stamps on including stamps. Well, just in, yeah, there's stamps, no LMI. <clears throat> you know, just mm. bang. Like that decision right there, that and that person's paying us, you know, eighteen grand for that fee. Mate, that's just paid for itself ten times over, even if we don't buy them a property. It's just that yeah. one thing getting access to more money. You know? So just just those those types of things. I think from my experience, what I've seen to be a big part of the puzzle is knowing your land use and what you can and can't do on certain properties. Like understanding, you know, how much square meters you can build on to comply with CDC. What do I need to do if I have to go lodge a DA? Like particularly if I'm building a granny flat, um, you know, in certain regions, they want to see a DA be lodged for you to derive an income from that, which can, you know, add an additional cost or it can blow out the timeline of you receiving capital from Mm. that. Um, Another one we're working on at the moment, which in terms of due diligence, which having someone on your side can provide a massive value is understanding things like what's the surrounding properties like? Are they housing commission? Is there any flood risk? Um, You know, we're talking to a client today about mine subsidence. You know, I've got a property that holds mine subsidence and the fact that, you know, on the time of purchase, I wasn't aware that you needed to drill deep with- Grout, not gravel. (laughs) With grout and and effectively backfill it. Backfill, there we go. Infill, backfill, backfill. bit of fill, fill out the back. Yeah, and so it's all those little yeah. things, right? You're learning, you're, you're, you're paying for someone else's experience and knowledge, you know? The people who pay us to use our services and the people who work directly with me are paying for my years and years of investing and doing things right and doing things wrong and meeting people and getting information and advice. Like, that's what you're tapping into. Um, you know, and I think in this marketplace, it's, it's critical, you know? And, and, and we're very blessed because we don't really struggle with getting clients. You know, we're a very lead rich business. We, we have a lot of clients. We've got an abundance of more and more clients coming. Um, and, but so I think, I think people see that. Um, I see that, that value add. Um, mate, what else you got on your little listy poo there? My listy poo. It's about negotiations. So we've kind of touched about negotiations. A, a good one, I think, which I wanted to touch on is running through effectively what the contractor sale looks like. And yeah, what we tend to see, we're doing tra- a lot more transactions in, in multiple states now and each state has their own framework of what a contractor sale looks like. Mm. And There's a big booger. Did you get it? <laughs> Got it. Like you dirty fucker. <laughs> we'll, get but, um, we'll get that edited out. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to touch on. So we'll, we'll first touch on the contractor sale and, and what are special conditions and what are the things we actually, as buyers, need to be aware of yeah. when doing a deal. With them and, and I think something to sale. preface on that is I'm not a lawyer or, or a conveyancer. So this is, uh, you should seek legal advice. But this is what I personally look at when I look <laughs> at a contract. So some of the most common things we see is... Um, Regardless of state, there's the, the, I guess the top five um, points of a, of a contract that change are the deposit amount, the settlement time frame, the special conditions of a contract. Um, you know, usually release a deposit clause. Yeah, like your your, your deposit amount and, and and you know your clauses around that. Your uh, your cooling off period. Yeah, things like whether it's unconditional, whether it's a cooling off period, whether there's due diligence clauses, etc., um, And then you've got all of your additions to a contract, you know, so special conditions essentially like 
early access to a property? Can we advertise the property prior to settling for rent? Um, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like they're, they're the common things that you see and negotiate on in most situations. Now, what you'll find is when you're dealing with solicitors and, and uh, conveyances and all the rest of it is, you know, they find a lot of little things, especially someone you don't work with before, mm. they want to prove to you, you know, that, how much they know. So they'll go, okay, well, let's change this clause from 8% to 6% and let's do this and let's do this. Yeah. Look, I'm not <clears> saying <throat> that's right or wrong, but I think a lot of the time it's not actually worthwhile um, going through that. Like you want to know, you want to focus on the big rocks that are going to make the most substantial differences in a transaction and, um, you know, leave a little stuff to, to someone else to worry about. Um, and then obviously, well, as you go per state, the way the transaction unfolds is different, right? The way you buy a property in New South Wales in comparison to, to Queensland um, and then in comparison to Victoria and, you know, obviously all the other states in, in Australia. It's a very different process. You have to, you, you, you supply a different level of information. The agent or the, or the vendor side supplies a different level of information to the buyer. Um, you know, in Melbourne, they have a thing called a statement of facts, which essentially, you know, lists everything to do with the property that's relevant. Uh, in New South Wales, that's unheard of. Like you can be as vague as ever with price in New South Wales, right? It's like guides million itself for two and a half. You're like, what's going on yeah. there? You know? Um, on the guides, it's funny. Brisbane don't issue guides. Yeah. You can call agents and they won't even tell you a guy. Mate, we just, mate, mate, just waiting on market feedback. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, but again, all of these little things, again, if you've never bought in different states, you mm. don't know that. Um, so that's obviously something that uh, we do day in, day out. And we can expedite a, uh, a, a, a transaction. And often what we find with... Uh, with the transactions that we do is the person who gets in the, in the way of the majority of transactions is not the agent and he's not the buyer. So a lot of the time, the legal back end, you know, like he conveyances on either side of the transaction. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and they're obviously trying to protect their client, either either buyer or seller, but uh, you know, they can, they can get into the legal jargon and argument just for the sake of it. And it can really get in the way of a transaction, right? The, Time kills deals. Everyone's heard that before. So the longer a, a transaction drags on, the more chances there are of things getting in the way, other buyers popping out of the woodwork, the vendor changing their mind, blah, 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 blah. So ideally what you want to do and what you see the best agents in Australia do, like your Alexander Phillips's, for example, is they close a deal from when they get offer and acceptance to exchanging on the property, like literally within an hour. And that's so nothing can get in the way, right? That's all the work you do leading up to it to making sure you're dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. So when you get to that offer and acceptance, it isn't all of a sudden, oh, we need to change this and oh, can we add this? And oh, we're not ready yet because we need to get pre-approval, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's what good negotiators do, right? They want to try and avoid all of the traps and the pitfalls to make a, a transaction happen as seamless as possible. Um, and sometimes our clients go like, you know, by the time we start negotiating and close a deal, it's going to be super quick. Mm. Um, you know, like I'm not talking about the how long the negotiation takes, but I'm talking about when we actually get the acceptance and then it exchanges can literally like be within the hour. And clients are like, oh shit, it's happened already, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, you need to be like that. If you're a buyer in the marketplace, you need to understand how to, you know, negotiate all the things that are important prior to, to getting your acceptance on price. And then once you get your acceptance on price, being able to, put a bow around it and put it under the Christmas tree and say, thanks for coming. Hey, there, now you, there you go. Yeah, but, but, uh. <laughs> I find it, um, 
I was talking to Feltrin today and he was talking about the fact he was buying a property and leveraged uh, terms of the negotiation to get a better outcome mm. where the vendors were looking to buy a property and didn't have the deposit available. And he utilized a release of deposit clause in the purchase where the deposit that our side was going to put on the deal was going to be released for the vendors to then go and use that as a deposit to buy another property. And he was talking about how he leveraged that during the negotiation to actually get, you know, a better outcome mm. on price. Um, you know, what's been your experience when it comes to negotiating leveraging terms to get the best outcome? Yeah, well, it's about understanding what the other side wants, right? And making it a win-win for everyone. So if uh, if the other side would find it, you know, very valuable to be able to use your deposit monies as as a deposit for their property, then that's great. And a lot of solicitors or conveyances won't allow that because they see it as too high of a risk. Um, and there's no right or wrong to that. But if you can really leverage that to, you know, get uh, get a much better outcome, mm. then, you know, we'll, we'll leverage that. Um, and, you know, that comes down to um, a lot of things like rent back periods, for example, where you buy a property and the, the, uh, the vendor hasn't purchased yet. So they want to stay in their own property and they'll rent it back off you. Um, you know, it could be things like uh, early access to to properties, to do works, you know, it can be super valuable to to someone like our client. So they might pay a little bit more for that so they can get their property ready for sale. Like all these little uh, intricacies of a deal, it doesn't just come down to price, it comes down to, you know, whatever else is surrounding the transaction. And um, they're very common, you know, using the same things on every, mm. every deal. But if you don't do it every single day, it's hard to know what to... Um, what to leverage in in a negotiation? So, what's been your best negotiation? Who, mate? That's a very very good question. The best negotiation. Which one gives you the biggest? Um, the biggest. Oh, I've done so many transactions. What's the first one that comes to mind? This buying this was pretty good. That yeah, Bannington right. Terrace. Yeah. I thought I stole this personally. Yeah. <laughs> But that was very simple, straightforward. Like same thing. I walked through at three thirty, and by six o'clock we'd exchanged. Wow. Yeah, I was, you know, didn't do any person building reports or anything like that. I just <laughs> Did you go on con? Yeah. With no person building. No, nothing. Just bought it. I was like, what the fuck can be wrong with it? It's a brick terrace. <laughs> Have you got a person build since? No, nothing wrong with it. Look, she piss her. Look at her. Podcast studio. Um, yeah, <clears> that was a good. This was a good transaction. Like, I think. Um, and I got a really long settlement too on this. I got a nine month settlement. Nine month? Six month settlement on this, 20 weeks, just under six months. I got a nine month settlement on my penthouse. 5% deposit, nine month settlement. That was pretty valuable. Um, How did you steal this for so cheap with the big settlement? I don't know. Just right time, come in. They were just about to start doing the works to the property. I was like, don't worry, mate. Come in, out the back. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Take yeah. the money, go on holiday. Yeah. Um, there's been multiple, right? What's, like, been the, what's been the hardest? The hardest deal the to broker? Fucked. I bought a property in Bronte for just over $7 million. That was very difficult. When you mm. say difficult, what made it fucked? Uh, you know, the clients, were they're very um, detail-orientated people. Um, and the vendors, you know, felt like they weren't getting the highest possible price for their property as well. So there was, you know, pullback from them guys. It took days, like by the time we got offering acceptance till the time we exchanged, there were so many things that got in the way. And 
Um, it was just very stressful. And it was a you know decent deal, like 7 million bucks. Um, there's a lot of money for everyone on the line. So it was like, you know, highly mm. stressful. So that was probably one of the hardest deals to put together. Um, and we'd been looking for so long to find this property. And I knew that if we didn't buy this, it'd be very, very hard to find a property that was comparable to it. Because it was like a brand new build, which is what they wanted. Um, you know, I was in one of the oh, best I streets in Bronte. Like, it was just very difficult to find it when we find it. Well, they built this two side two by side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just knew that if that didn't go together, like it would have been very difficult to find them something that was close to that for a similar price. Um, but in the end, it ended up coming together. And um, from that, I just learned patience. Just take your time. It'll come <laughs> together, you know. Um, but yeah, that's it is what it is. Um, mate, I think that's that's a wrap. Like chicken and cheese wrap? Like chicken and cheese Martin. and... Veggie Devon and tomato sauce wrap. Mate, how good's a Devon, Devon and tomato? They used um, to be my staple, you know, that. Was it? Primary school. Yeah, but mate, uh, mate, that's the state of the market right now. Jump in head first. <laughs>